All right, what's up, everybody? Great to see you all this morning. So honored to uh, get to hang out with y'all on Mother's Day. Let me add my congratulations and gratitude to all you moms that are here today. And uh, if this is your first time here today, man, super grateful for you. And maybe you came with your mom today and so glad that you're Northside. Hopefully this will be a regular be a part of the regular rhythm of your life. And those of you that join us online as well, man, so grateful for you as well. Um, I, I just want to celebrate every woman in this place today, whether you're a mom or not, every girl, you, you need to know you are deeply, you are deeply loved and appreciated and deeply respected. And man, just uh, as a guy, just so grateful uh, for you in, in our lives. Uh, my name is Mike, by the way, and I am not a mom. Um, but one of the greatest joys of my life uh, has been our three kids and their spouses and our now 10 grandkids, which is pretty phenomenal for a 37-year-old guy, I'm just saying. Um, but I, I, just, I just love my life. I feel so blessed I get to do what I get to do. And today I want to talk about different seasons of life. And as you can see, I, I got some props. And uh, I want to throw out a couple of things that I've been learning along the way. As I reflect back over my life, as old men do, I think the seasons we go through in life can pretty much be summed up by different modes of transportation. We, we, we kind of start off this way. We start off with one of these baby walkers. Anybody got one of these around your house right now? You know, you got little kids behind him. We, we got one, right? We got a one-year-old right now, and he is just trying to do this thing. Actually, he's got one of those that's got a tray on the front. Have you seen those? Got wheels on the bottom. He scoots all over the place. Then you put like Cheerios. You can put goldfish crackers on his tray. It's really your first drive-through experience. It just is. And you're going to be doing that for the rest of your life, right? And then you kind of graduate uh, to one of these. You ever, you ever, anybody got a big wheel? Have you seen these old big, these big wheels? They're, 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 they're still cool. They really are. I, I saw a few little guys in my daughter's cul-de-sac the other day. They're probably four or five years old, and they were riding big wheels. And they, they, you, you thought it was like a biker gang or something. These guys are coming on these big wheels. They're, they're skidding out and trying to leave black marks on the, on the concrete and stuff. They're just having the best time doing the big wheel. I got, I got a friend, the most competitive guy I've ever known in my life. We had a big wheel race. Uh, it was like 4th of July weekend in, in the town where we were living. And he signed his kids up for this big wheel race. And for a month, he trained them. He, he, tied, he tied concrete blocks on the back of the big wheel so that they'd have to pedal uphill. Their legs would be strong. And they blew away the competition. That's just the way he is. Then, then, then you get like your, your first bike. Anybody remember your first bike? And that's, as a kid, man, you get your first bike. It is, it is something else. Now, I, I used to be able to get my leg over this bike, but uh, this is the kind of bike I had. Old school Stingray bike. Anybody else have a Stingray bike with the handlebars like this? It looked like you were like riding a Harley. It was just awesome. And, and when I was a kid, I used to collect baseball cards. And we had these things, you've probably never seen them, called clothespins. And I would take a clothespin and a baseball card, and I would attach them to the spokes on the wheels of my bike. And so I'm riding along, it's going brrrr. I mean, I sounded like I was riding a Harley. It was just, it was just, it was just a cool experience. There was such freedom when you got your first bike. Training wheels come off and you could go anywhere, man. It's just a great feel. I can remember when I was in Little League, I lived pretty close to the park and I'd ride my bike to practice every day. And I had this thing where I would hang my glove on the handlebar of my bike. And as I was riding up to the park, as I got closer to the baseball field, I could jump off of my bike, grab my glove in the same motion, dismount, let the bike keep on rolling, it would crash into the fence. And it was like, that's right. I'm here. 
like cool, nine-year-old cool. That's, that's the way it was. And that's just, that's just such a great season of your life. But then your mode of transportation, this is the one that I, I kind of came up with for this season. There's a time in your life, you get in the middle school, and it's just a little wobbly. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, the girls are five seven and the boys are four seven, and and you know your voice your voice is always doing that, and your body's changing, and it's just a weird time in life. And you every every time somebody says something about you, it just about crushes you. I mean, it's just a it's just a hard season of life to navigate. It was one of the hardest seasons of my life was my middle school junior junior high years, and then you kind of graduate from that. You. You move into high school and you get to be a student and then you eventually you get to drive and you get your, anybody, anybody got your driver's license recently? Any, any parents here teaching kids to drive right now? Let's just pause and pray for these folks right now, <laughs> if, you, if you would. But, but I, I remember when I got my license, it was like the coolest thing in the world, man. I could, I could drive myself. My parents just say, we need milk at the store. I got, I'll go. I just wanted to get in the car and I wanted to drive. I just, there was such a cool feeling about having my own, my own license and, and having my own car. What, what was your first car? Anybody remember your first car? Just shout out. What was your first car? Oh my goodness, a bunch of different ones. I guarantee you, your first car was not my first car. Let me show you a picture of my first car. That's it. I'm not kidding you. My dad worked at the post office and he was an eclectic individual. And so he bought me a used mail truck as my first car. I drove around on the right side. You know, you're on this side. He had a sliding door over here. I mean, it was the goofiest looking thing ever as a 16 year old guy driving around on a mail truck. Uh, but later on, when I got into college, like my sophomore year in college, my parents gave me their, their car. It was a 1970 uh, Pontiac Catalina. And it had, it had a vinyl top. May remember those? It had a vinyl top on it. It was yellow. It was really ugly, but, but I loved it. And what the coolest thing about that car, it had a bench seat in the front. Y'all don't know. <laughs> I'm telling you, man. As, as a young guy having a bench seat and your girlfriend right there, yeah, I mean, there's no bucket seats, there's no console in the middle. She could sit right here. I mean, I remember having my hand on the wheel, my hand on her, just cruising around the window down. Just going, oh man, this is so cool. And then later on in life, she moves way over there and, and you, you drive around going to dinner at 4.30 so you can make it back for Wheel of Fortune. That's just the kind of the way it goes. But then there's that season right in the middle of all that where you, where you get one of these. You, you, get, you get a minivan. And, and you got car seats everywhere and gummy bears everywhere. And, you know, three-week-old McDonald's French fries on the floor. It's just that season. It's a crazy season of life. And then one day you swear to yourself, man, you know what? I'm older now. The nest is empty. I will never, ever drive another minivan. So you go out and you buy one of these. And you think you are so cool, man. You're riding this thing down a row. You know, you got born to be wild playing in your mind. The, the, the wind is blowing through your scalp. And, and man, you're going through this midlife thing where you're trying to hang on to your youth and stuff. And then the next mode of transportation is this because you had no business riding that thing <laughs> at your age. Let me, let, me, let me say something about this mode of transportation. I, I have noticed every time I'm here that there are a bunch of you, that this is your mode of transportation. And I just want to say to you on behalf of everyone else in this church, 
The fact that you show up here every week, and I know it takes a valiant effort for you to make it through whatever disability you're working with. I just want to tell you, you're like our heroes, and we're so grateful for you. you really, you really are. I love, I love to be a part of churches that we've been for over 20 years now. I've been throwing proms for special needs students, and it's just been so fun to to watch people out on the dance floor spinning a wheelchair around. It's just, uh, man, it's just. To know that everybody's got, got value, no matter what your mode of transportation might be. I, I, think, of, I think of Johnny Erickson Tata. You, have you ever heard of her? She has a ministry called Johnny and Friends. She was uh, paralyzed in a diving accident when she was 16. And I think she just turned 70 this year. So she's been a quadriplegic for, was that, 54 years now. And she is one of the most positive, joy-filled, beautiful women. I mean, it just, just oozes uh, humility and gentleness and just peace and joy from her life. She, uh, uh, she's written a, several books. She writes songs. She's a great singer. Uh, she paints these incredible watercolor paintings by holding a brush between her teeth. I mean, they're, they're spectacular. I mean, she's just a, an awesome woman. And I remember reading in one of her books called Heaven, My Real Home. There's a little piece in there that I, I just kind of stuck in my heart years ago. It was called Johnny's Waltz. And I think this is the way it goes. Though I spend my mortal lifetime in this chair, I refuse to waste it living in despair. And though others may receive gifts of healing, I believe he has given me a gift beyond compare. For heaven is nearer to me. And at times it is all I can see. Sweet music I hear coming down to my ear. I know that it's playing for me. For I am Christ's own bride. And I will stand by his side. And he will say... Shall we dance? And our endless romance will be worth all the tears that I've cried. And then you move in life. All of us eventually kind of, not all, all of us, it doesn't always go like this, but we move to, to this. Where we just don't get around like we used to and things start breaking down and we're heading to doctor visits a lot. And it's just, it's just a difficult season of life. And some of you are there. And some of you may be like me, and uh, you, you got into that season where the child becomes a parent, and the parent becomes a child. Uh, that happened to me earlier, earlier in my life than most of my peer group, because uh, my parents had me when they were older, and I was an only kid. Um, so um, I, I became the primary caregiver uh, for my mom and dad later in their life. And my dad uh, was a character with a capital C. I mean, he just was. And my dad was also bipolar, and my dad was also paranoid schizophrenic. And when he was on his meds, he was just awesome. When he wasn't on his meds, oh, my goodness, he was hard to handle. And when he turned 80, he said, you know what? I'm not taking that medicine anymore. I'm going out in a blaze of glory. And, man, I just chased him around town, cleaning up his messes. It was un – I, I could tell you story after story about my dad, but, man, it was – it was a challenge. But one day, a buddy of mine called me and said, hey, bro, that's my name, by the way, bro. He said, uh, hey, bro, you're a, I, I just saw your dad. He was driving his car. It had to be close to 100 miles an hour. And I went, you're kidding me. He goes, no, man, it was, it was scary. And so I had, I had to go to my dad. He also had like three or four fender benders. And I said, hey, dad, um, it was so hard. I went to the guy that taught me how to drive. And by the way, my dad taught me how to drive. You know where my dad taught me to drive? In a cemetery. He said, pull in there, Mike, you can't kill nobody. I mean, that was, that, that was his reasoning. That's where I learned to drive. I'm not kidding you. In my mail truck. So 
Not too many people expecting deliveries in there. Uh, <laughs> but I had to go to that guy and say, hey, Dad, uh, you're going to have to give me your keys. You can't drive anymore. I'll take you anywhere you need to go. And he looked at me with the most sad, heartbroken, I can't believe you're doing this to me, look. And I said, I, really, wherever you need to go, just call me and I'll, I'll be right here and I'll take you wherever you need to go. And he goes, you're right. All right. Reached in his pocket, pulled out his keys and put them in my hand. I put them in my pocket and went home. I felt like a dog. So I called back over to the house. My mom answered. I said, mom, let me talk to dad. She goes, he's not here. I said, what do you mean he's not there? As soon as I was, he totally played me in the moment. He had like four sets of keys. He just like, all right. Then he was, as soon as I was gone, he's out the door going 100 miles an hour. So I had to get, I had to go get all of his cars and sell them all. It was just, it was that, that was my, that was my life. And at 82, he crammed 200 years of living into 82 years and went home to be with Jesus. And I can't wait to see him again. At the same time, my mom had Alzheimer's. And it, you talk about a challenge. It's a long, slow goodbye. Some of you may be dealing with that these days, and it's not an easy journey. Uh, we just tried to bring the joy, and we tried to bring the happiness, and uh, we, we tried to keep her in her home as long as she could stay because she was pretty independent and pretty stubborn, and uh, so we wanted to keep her happy there. So we moved my daughter next door. We rented a house next door and said, hey, Mom, Jody's going to move next door. Can you keep an eye on her? And, of course, Jody was keeping an eye on my mom. Um, but it got to the point where it was a real challenge to do that. And I went to visit her one day, and uh, she, I said, how are you doing? She goes, not good. I said, what's the matter? There's a lady living here that's driving me crazy. <laughs> I went, really? Cause I'm thinking, what lady is living here, you know? She goes, I said, really, where is she? She goes, she's, she's just, oh, she's back in the back. And she took me back into her bedroom and walked in front of the mirror. I went, there she is. And I knew I couldn't reason with her. I say, oh, mom, that's your reflection. Of course, you know, you look in the mirror, you get, I couldn't, I knew I couldn't do that. So, well, mom, she looks like a beautiful lady to me. She looks really kind. And she goes, no, you just get her out of here. And so I, I took the lady off the wall and put her, <laughs> put her in the truck and, and drove home with that lady uh, and uh, come back the next day. I'm, I said, how you doing? She goes, that lady's back. And so I had to go get every mirror out of the house and uh, come back the next day and Say, so how, how's it going? She goes, that lady's back. I said, no, mom, she's not. I took her. And she goes, but I missed, I missed a mirror. It was in a kind of a little storage room area. And it was attached to a dresser. You know, sometimes the, you, you can get a mirror that the back, the back frame attaches to the mirror. And there was a, the, the dresser was like this. And the bottom of the mirror was like this. Is there a gap in between? When I pulled the dresser out from the wall to unscrew the back of the mirror, there was a pile of food behind that dresser where my mom had been feeding this lady, her hand to her hand, for I don't know how many weeks. And we knew. We, we got we to be courageous and make a move here. So we went from assisted living to full, full skilled nursing to hospice to I can't wait to see her in heaven again. And that's reality because of Jesus. And it doesn't always go like this, but pretty much life is... From the walker to the walker. Now, I want to I give you a couple of observations uh, that I have about all these seasons. The first one is this. Life is so short. Life is so short. All of this 
happens in the blink of an eye. I mean, I remember, I remember old people saying to me like, hey, son, you need to cherish this time in your life because it goes so fast. And I would think, yeah, this is what old people say. Now that I'm old people, let me tell you, <laughs> cherish this time. It, it, doesn't it go so fast? It just goes so fast. I was thinking about when I was talking about my Stingray bike and the base. It felt like two weeks ago that I was riding the Little League field. It just goes so, so fast. Debbie and I lived in uh, Ventura, California for the past eight years, recently uh, moved back uh, to Lexington, Kentucky to take care of of our family, help help with the mom and and family. uh, But in Ventura, every morning, it kind of looks like this. There there is this marine layer that comes in and envelops the entire city until about nine o'clock in the morning. And then nine o'clock, it all burns off and it's just beautiful the rest of the day, but that's, that's the way it is. And whenever I would see that fog roll in, I would think of this scripture verse from James chapter four, Jesus' brother writes this. He says, for your life is like that. Your life is like the morning fog. It is here a little while. Then around nine o'clock it's gone. I mean, life is so short. Old man Moses wrote this in the Psalm, Psalm 90. He said, oh Lord, teach us to number our days and recognize how few they are. Help us to spend them as we should. There's a guy named Solomon that wrote a lot of the, the Proverbs in the Old Testament of the Bible. Also wrote a book called Ecclesiastes, which was his journal about all the mistakes he made in, in life. And he, and he has a conclusion at the end of his journal. He says this, remember your creator in the days of your youth. And that, that might be a good word for all you students right now. Get to know him now. Hook up with him right now before the days of trouble come and the years approach when you will say, I find no pleasure in them. And then he gets very poetic with his writing. Before the sun and the light and the moon, the stars grow dark and the clouds return after the rain. He's talking about as you get older, you have bouts of depression, bouts with loneliness and worthlessness. When the keepers of the house tremble, what do you think he's talking about there? When your hands get a little shaky. And strong men stoop. He's talking about how your back goes out more often than you do. When the grinders cease, he's talking about your teeth. When your grinders cease because they are few. And those looking through windows grow dim. Your eyesight begins to fail. I ain't driving at night anymore. When the doors to the street are closed and the sound of grinding fades, opportunities for work are closed to you now. And even if if there was work, you're not able to do it anymore. When men rise up at the sound of birds. When I was in college, I could sleep to 2.30 in the afternoon. Now I'm like up at five o'clock, usually because I got to pee or something. But, but I get, uh, the older you get the, and the more early you get up, it says men rise up at the sound of birds, but all their songs grow faint because you can't hear them anyway. When men are afraid of heights, you say, I ain't climbing that ladder. And in danger of the streets, you got 14 locks on your door and a ring doorbell. When the almond tree blossoms, that's when your hair turns white, and the grasshopper drags himself along, you got no hops anymore, and desire is no longer stirred, you can figure that one out, then man goes to his eternal home and mourners go about the streets, and gang, all that happens in a flash. Life is so short. But here's the second observation. God is so faithful. God is so faithful through every single season of your life. 
in this ever-changing, ever-shifting life, it is good to know that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I love what it says in Numbers chapter 23. It says, God is not a human that he should lie. He's not a human being that he should change his mind. Then he asks a rhetorical question. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? You're saying, of course not. He's the one person that has a perfect track record of keeping their word. He's always faithful. He always keeps his promise. He can be trusted in every season of your life. I have this quote written in the margin of my Bible. It's from a little book called Ruthless Trust by Brennan Manning. And it says this, to trust is to be convinced of the reliability of God. To trust is to be absolutely convinced of the reliability of God, to know that he is faithful through every season. I'm thinking some of you right now, you're in this season. You got some of this stuff around your house, right? You got toddler stuff everywhere, pampers everywhere, toys everywhere, crayons everywhere, markers everywhere. I mean, it's just the way it is right now in in your life. I just wanna tell you, cherish this time in your life. Love those kids, rock those kids, sing to those kids, pray with those kids, teach those kids about Jesus. Just pour your life into those little souls because that's why God gave them to you so you could do that. Nurture them, see it as the most priceless time in in your life because it really does go really, really, really fast. And I know that some of you look at stuff like this and you think, I I wish we had stuff like that for various reasons. Or or maybe Mother's Day is a hard time for you because it just hadn't worked out. Maybe, maybe you're like my son and, and daughter-in-law that just went through all kinds of miscarriages and heartbreak with infertility stuff. And, and it's, it's, it's a tough season. Just, just know that God is faithful in that season. In fact, this fact, Scripture tells us that God collects all of our tears in his bottle. He cares deeply. He sees. He knows the pain. And God also knows the desires of your heart. And God may show up in a very unexpected way and use you to touch the life of somebody else through your family. Uh, some of you may be here right now. Some of you, I know we have a lot of kids and kids ministry and stuff, but some of you may be in the room today because it's Mother's Day. I just want to tell you, every kid in this place, enjoy being a kid. Sing and dance and draw and play and just, just be a kid. Just be free to be a kid. And let me say something to your parents. Let them be kids. Let them be kids. I, I went to a soccer game yesterday. I watched some guy just coaching his seven-year-old as hard as he could coach him from the sidelines. And I knew that when that, when that kid got in that car, that, that dad was going to tell him everything he did wrong on that field. Let him be kids. The only thing you need to say to your kid after a, some kind of sporting event is, I love to watch you play. That's it. That's all you need to say. Let them let be kids. Let them hook up with their creator. Teach them about Jesus early on so they can spend a lifetime experiencing the faithfulness of God. Let me say something to all you that might be in this wobbly season of your life. This doesn't last very long. I mean, all that insecurity and stuff that you feel when you're in middle school, it doesn't doesn't last long. Sometimes it lasts a long time because you never really saw yourself the way God sees you. And I'm just here to tell you today that God thinks you are awesome. God loves the way you look. He didn't define you by what people say on social media or what they say about you in other ways. He says, you are a much-loved child of his. He cherishes you. He loves everything. In fact, right now, God's walking around heaven with his phone out, scrolling pictures of you, going, that's my kid. Check out my kid. Isn't she beautiful? Isn't he awesome? God, that's the way God feels about you. Let the truth about God, what God says about you be what matters most to you. And those insecurities, they'll start to go away.
Or maybe, maybe you're in high school and you're, you're driving these days and sensing a little independence. And I just want to tell you, don't, don't claim independence as your lifestyle. My, my wife always says, our problem's not weakness, it's independence. Depend upon your father. Walk with him all the days of your life. Like Solomon wrote, remember your creator while you're young. Hook up with him now so that you can know that there is value in this life and, and champion people that are the underdog and make friends with people that nobody else makes friends with and be kind and be humble and, and do your best in whatever you do while, while, while you're young. And I, I think about some of you might be graduating this year, uh, thinking about heading off to college or getting a job or something like that. Just know that he's going to go with you. He is so faithful. And, and you know, chase your passions. Because God tells us you can make your plans, but I'll determine your steps. Just know that God's going to guide you along the way. And know this as well, that who you are becoming, the person you're becoming, is so much more important about, important about than, than where you're going to go to school or what you're going to do in, in, in your job. Just let him transform you from the inside out. And some of you are parents and you're watching these kids graduate. And maybe you've got a wedding coming up and you're going to walk a daughter down the aisle and you're going to, it's just hard, man. And, and you're, you're going you're gonna to see them pack their car for college and, and you're going to experience this empty nest thing. You go, man, this feels weird. Well, this empty nest thing is just weird. Let me, let me tell you something about the empty nest. It's a myth. <laughs> they come back. And they bring their laundry, they bring their bills, they bring all their little ducklings with them. They all come back. And I wouldn't have it any other way, man. I love everything about it. It's, it, it's an awesome season of your life. And I don't know, maybe, maybe you're kind of in this season of your life. You're, you're going through a midlife crisis. Don't see it as such, man. We're only here for a while, right? And uh, people say, midlife, midlife that, that's a myth too. I read a book years ago called Halftime. Uh, it was about the, the, the premise was instead of, seeing life, instead of seeing your season of life as a midlife crisis, see this halftime. And what do good teams do in the second half? They come out smoking in the third and fourth quarter, right? So some, some of you, I look around, some of you are at halftime right now. Some, some of you are in the fourth quarter. I'm just saying. Some of you are in overtime. I'm just an observation. But all of us are sudden death, right? We just are. So just move in that season of your life to be a coach, to be a mentor, to be a friend, to be a helper, to be a servant. You know, you, you have maybe have more time on your hands these, these days. Find a way to plug in and make a difference in other people's lives. I was just praying with a bunch of guys in the parking lot this morning before the service started. These are guys who just say, you know what, I'm gonna, that's what I do. I park cars here at Northside. I just make people feel welcome and help them get in and out safely. That's what they're doing. I've talked to people this morning in the lobby that are making coffee. That's what they, that's what they do. They, I, I'm thinking about my 75-year-old friend who's a retired police officer, and two times a week he picks up a friend, of he and his wife, and take her to chemo every, every week. And then he's around to fix stuff at her house whenever she needs something fixed. He just says, you know what, I'm not, gonna, I'm not in a midlife crisis. I'm in the fourth quarter, man. I'm going to come out smoking in the fourth quarter. And that's what that's what. God wants us to do with our life, to move from success to significance and to do something that really counts in your life. And then as you move toward this season of your life, man, you can look back and you can just see the faithfulness of God through every single season of your life. I grew, I grew up in church as a kid and uh, we didn't have awesome, you know, kids ministries like uh, 
Northside does back when I was a kid. You know, I, I, would, I would go to quote unquote big church with my parents and let's just say most time I was less than engaged. Um, I, I was doodling, I was eating candy, I'm making paper airplanes, I'm counting the, the, the organ pipes in this old church that, that we went to. But there's something I've watched through the years, ever since I was a kid. There's this old song uh, that we sing every now and then still. It's an old hymn called Great is Thy Faithfulness. Have you heard of this song? It, it comes from the, the book of Lamentations in the Old Testament of the Bible. Great is your faithfulness morning by morning. Your mercies are new. It's just a great old hymn. Now, let me tell you something I've observed through the years, ever since I was a kid, even to this day, when I watch older people sing this song. If you look around the room, kids are disinterested. They're, just, they're punching their brother. They're picking their nose, whatever. They're not paying any attention. Most teenagers and college-age students might sing it, this mouth the words, this unfamiliar old hymn. Uh, some uh, young adults and some middle-aged people might sing it with a little bit more meaning. But if you look around at some of the people who are getting up there later in years, you will see something you won't forget. One of the things I have noticed all my life is when I see white-haired men and women sing that song, they sing it with intensity. All I have needed, thy hands have provided. And then, then the crescendo builds on the chorus. They throw their head back and sing, great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. And some soprano, great. She's holding the note out. You know that woman, right? Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. And then they collapse almost breathlessly back in the seat when the song is over. Now, why is it that people who have been walking with God for so many years can sing that song with so much intensity? Here's why. Because they've been convinced of the reliability of God. They now know that God is faithful. And they sing it at the top of their lungs because they have witnessed the answer to hundreds of prayers. They have seen the fulfillment of hundreds of God's promises in their lives. And so they just have to belt it out. And I got to say, those people inspire me. And I'm bringing this all, all up because this church is full of, you know, young, young people, young adults. And, and uh, some of you are brand new followers of Jesus, which is so exciting uh, for, for, the, for this church. And some of you can say, yeah, I know what you're talking about, bro, man. God has been so faithful to me over the past year, or, or God has been so faithful to me over the past three years, the past five years. Um, now, that is so awesome. But I'm just telling you, wait till you get like 45 years of God's faithfulness under your belt. It's going to blow you away. You're going to reflect back on all these different seasons, all these decades worth of storms that you've weathered. And you're going to see how God was there. I'm talking 45 years worth of broken relationships that got put back together through the powers of a faithful God. I'm talking 45 years of sobriety, 45 years of sanity made possible by the one who reached down and grabbed you out of that pit and rescued you. I'm talking 45 years worth of God providing for your needs when you didn't know where the next paycheck was coming from, where the next meal was coming from. I'm talking about 45 years worth of thousands of prayers that have been answered by a faithful God who sees better than you see and answers prayer. And someday you're going to be the one with your head thrown back and the veins bulging out of your neck and you're going to be singing, great is thy faithfulness. Lord, unto me. Gang, this life is so short, but God is so faithful, and he has promised so much more. 
God has promised us a better place. He has promised us a heavenly homeland, a city without like pandemics or political chaos, a perfect place without a hint of evil because only goodness will be present and every tongue and tribe and nation will gather to worship Jesus Christ, the promised one who laid down his life so we could live forever. And until that day, he promises, he promises his presence and his peace. He promises to give us wisdom and direction. He promises to give us his spirit. He promises to make a way for us to escape any temptation. He promises to finish the inside out work he began in us. He promises to never leave us or forsake us. He promises that nothing will ever separate us from his unfailing love. He promises us an inheritance in heaven. He promises that he's coming back someday to make all things new. That's God's promise. And you can believe him. Hebrews 10, 23 says, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Gang, he will never lie to you, con you, or cheat you. He won't ghost you, mislead, or mistreat you. He won't tell you one thing and do another scheme, coerce, and try to cover his tracks because he's not like that. He won't tell you one thing and do another. He's true to his word, never breaks it ever. His yes is his yes through every endeavor. He doesn't have to swear to God because he is the truth. He won't breach a contract, surprise you with the fine print because in his character, there is not a hint of deceit or malice or shadiness or guile. His word is his word and not just a while, but forever and ever he remains the same. The faithful one, the name above all names, the promise keeper whose mercies are new every morning, all day long, he's thinking of you. And he calls you to believe in his unshakable love till you see him face to face in heaven above. You can believe him. You can trust him all the way from the walker to the walker. Let's pray together. Father, great is your faithfulness. There's nothing, nothing like it. Your unfailing love is just fresh every day. Your mercies are new. God, for me, walking through these different seasons, uh, wasn't just like a bunch of props for like a Sunday message. It's my life. I'm just so grateful for the way you have been present in ways I didn't even see you. Thank you for the way you pursued me even when I ran from you. Thankful God for the way you pull alongside of us in every single season of our life. God, I pray for everybody that's in one of these seasons today, and they they define all of us at some point. I pray that they would know that that you're there, that you long to do life with us, that when we decide to follow Jesus, he moves in us. I'm so grateful for that. Father, thank you for every person in this place. I thank you for whatever spiritual mile marker they may be on today. Thank you for meeting us all right where we are. And I pray all this in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, today, if you need prayer for anything, uh, just remain seated, we'll find you. Uh, Check out the living room out in the lobby and there's a great photo opportunity for moms and families. You guys have a great day. Happy Mother's Day, everybody. See you again.